Does there seem to be a revolving door at your company? On today's episode of Driven Too Far, we're looking at driver retention strategies and how you can improve it. Hello, I'm Andrew Winkler with Chief Carriers, and this is Driven Too Far, the truth about trucking, a podcast that helps over-the-road truck drivers balance career and family. Hey, on today's episode of Driven Too Far, we're talking all about driver retention. And to gain some additional perspective, uh, I've brought back an industry expert, Mike Coble. Uh, to share some of his thoughts with us. So welcome back to the show, Mike. Hi, Andrew. Thanks for having me. It's uh, great to be here today. You know, one of the reasons I thought about you for this particular episode is I know you've had uh, a lot of background, extensive background in the industry, uh, some different jobs and stuff. What What are some of the things you've done over the course of your career in trucking? Well, when I came out of the service in the late 80s, um, I did not want to be an old man in trucking like my dad, who owned the trucking company at the time. And so I wanted to be a Secret Service agent. My uh, military background, and uh, I went into civilian law enforcement. And our first son was born in 1988. Uh, When Lucas came along, I had to pay the bills. And being a cop back then certainly didn't pay the bills. So I went back to driving the truck. you know, I wanted to make a change and make a difference. And over the years, I, I did about 16 years on the road, coast to coast, hauling produce, cattle, trade shows. Um, really enjoyed the driving aspect. And um, I came home one too many times and F this, F that, I'll just sell every one of these damn things. And, and my wife did. So I said, well, what am I going to do now? She said, you're going to go to work for Mark Pluff at Roadrunner as a recruiter. I said, I don't know anything about being a recruiter. She said, yeah, you, you, you've talked to the industry. You... So I, I always wanted to help and give back and make a difference as a driver. So I bought one, bought two, but I finally got up to 12 trucks and trailers and I can only control that company. So I figured, all right, I'll go the corporate route. And I worked up to an EVP with, you know, a couple different companies and, um, was able to affect change and work towards the betterment of drivers. And in the last two and a half years, I was with 10th Street and was able to go to the calls on Washington with TCA and ATA, where I'm still a board member. And when you're you're sitting with the you know people who make the laws that affect the industry, that's where you can truly drive change. And I feel like we need more former drivers as ed- advocates on that behalf talking about how these laws, and th- I mean, the people start to make these laws and rules, they don't really understand what it's about and what they're trying to fix. So having that voice on Capitol Hill is, is so important with the calls on Washington. And, um, you know, yourself as a, as a CEO of a trucking company, you know, speaking up on your local level and on the national level, it's, that's where we're gonna affect change, positive change for the industry. And I, I, and I didn't know all that about you. I didn't know you started in law enforcement. Uh, I remember you telling me about uh, being a driver. So you've been a driver, a small fleet owner, uh, and then you've worked for some um, outside parties in the industry and stuff, trying to do those great things uh, as well. But what I liked about, again, bringing you on was your unique perspective. And I know that you've had a chance to work with a lot of carriers over the years, and you've seen a lot and stuff. So let me just ask you, what are carriers getting wrong when it comes to driver retention? Well, I believe 
and I used to teach my recruiting department that retention begins with that first phone call that a driver makes calling you or you make calling them. Um, we, we really went through a bad transition in the industry a few years ago when we started the meet and seats, butts and seats, whatever you want to call it. And we're pushing these recruiters for numbers, numbers, numbers. we got to have these trucks running, blah, blah, blah. But we weren't really letting the recruiters look for the good fit, the driver that, you know, okay, they may meet your qualifications as far as safety goes, but they don't fit into your culture. Is that a good hire? I would say no, because you're hiring your turnover at that point. And, you know, turnover is, you've got a driver been in that truck for six months. It's not a one for one hire to replace that guy. It's a three to one hire. So, you know, as, as well as I do in those upper communications that are had between the CEO, the CFO, the C-suite, EVPs, your, those pain points hurt as far as the money going out. And it's not really explaining to your people on the ground that are doing the work. I, I would sit down with my team and have a cost um, discussion and explain to them why it's important they're looking for the right drive. I'd rather that truck sit another week and we find the right or the better candidate or the candidate that can be trained to our way of doing things. That's the unique perspective about trucking. Yes, I still carry a CDL to this day. I can still drive, but am I the best fit for a clean harbors or a tanker company? Probably not. I haven't pulled hazardous materials and tankers, cattle, reefer, trade shows. There's so many different nuances. So that driver can be, everybody can be trained. Everybody that wants to be a part of the organization can fit in. So I think that when we slow down a little bit more and look for the better candidate, now, does that mean everybody's gonna fit your criteria? Probably not. Give your recruiters the opportunity to make that decision and say yes or no. Yeah. Make the better hire. I think you're exactly right. And I, when you were talking about that, I kind of remembered my aha moment back in the day. Uh, I was in dispatch at the time. I was an operations manager. And, and you're right, the, the pressure's coming down from the top to get these trucks filled, keep them filled. You know, you're trying to drive revenue in the trucking company, try to keep the company afloat. And we had gotten a new safety guy and he was ex-law enforcement and stuff. And he walked in and uh, he was the first one in my career that kind of introduced that whole idea. It's like, you need to be patient and you need to bring in the right people. You know, when you're just filling seats to fill seats, that's why you're having the turnover issues. And and, and I, have, I about had a panic attack too, because I'm like, oh my gosh, these trucks are sitting empty too long. But uh, with time, he was absolutely right. And and it took that to prove it to me. And I've, I've remembered that lesson ever since. But I think you're exactly right. I think the trucking companies themselves get in this nasty cycle of they've got to fill, 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 and and maybe even they're incentivizing their recruiters with the wrong type of things. I'm not sure, but uh, that could certainly be an issue too when they're they're incentivizing them to get uh, body count in week after week instead of focusing more on the retention and what can we do to make sure we hire the right person that's going to stay longer. Well, when you, when you boil it down, recruiting is still sales and we've gotten away from most recruiters don't even ask for the sale. They send out a link and they try to get the guy qualified so they can move them through safety. 
my wife is a recruiter for a company here in Dallas and I hear her all the time. She's not asking for the same. And she's been taught. I know she was my director of recruiting for many years. I know she knows better, but she's gotten lazy and takes shortcuts. And, and I'm not saying that all recruiters do it on purpose, but you know, when you're, when you're looking for and, and you're understanding that recruiting is that first line of defense for the carrier, you're hiring that person that's going to be there. You know, we, we hire not to fire, we hire to retain. And, and I think, I think we've gotten away from that in a lot of premises and looking at the overall, you know, there are guys out there that still want to run coast to coast. And if that's a job you're hiring for, that's the guy you look for. Um, my dad and I, my dad's 81 years old, still drives a truck this day in Atlanta, but he runs local. He, he will only do a local job. I would never do a local job. I hate that picking up and delivering multiple times a day. I'm going to load in North Carolina one day and deliver in California, you know, 48 hours later. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> can't log in. No more paper logs, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I got to change that. I'm a little older, but I enjoy the coast to coast. And, and that's what's so great about the industry that we serve. There's so many different facets that a driver that wants to be out on the road and, you know, in a different state every day, they can do that. Guys and gals that want to be home, you know, those drivers that work in and out of the ports, I think that's, that job is way too tough. There's no way I could do that job because I don't want to pick up and deliver multiple times a day. So having that recruiter that understands what the life is, I, I used to hire former drivers. It was really hard to bring a driver off the road and bring them in the office because they, they assume everybody in the office makes, you know, bookies of money. And when you tell them what a recruiter makes, what safety makes, they're like, well, why would I give up trucking? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. why would you? It's, it's a big cut in pay. And you got to start at the bottom and work your way up. And they don't understand that. And it's um, it's a, probably a good thing, but because you can't take the person out of the office and put them out there in the truck and replace it. It, it just, you know, and, and we're not treating drivers, dispatchers, safety people with the respect of what that job entails. I, I was guilty as an EVP. I, I didn't treat my staff as well as I should have. Um, I have, that's one of the things I've discovered through friendships of people coaching and a uh, partner of mine here, recruit and retain, uh, Ellen Voyas kind of taught me over the years that, yeah, I fell in that, in that trap of butts and seats, moving freight, you know, getting loads done. And some of the operations people I thought were the best because they pushed the, the bottom line up, maybe weren't the best of people to be dealing with the drivers because they had attitudes and they were, they were only pushing for the customer's bottom line, not the driver's bottom line. Yeah, that's very difficult. So one of the questions, I, I think this has come up uh, several times in the last year for me, but, you know, the question is, is there really a driver shortage out there? Or, you know, what have we done as an industry to push too many drivers out of the truck and, and push them maybe into manufacturing or some other kind of industry? But do you feel like the industry shortage is real or did we cause that? Is it self-inflicted? I believe that we've created a turnover situation, a shortage situation. If you look at the freight tonnage index, you know, freight has, continues to move up, loads are getting hauled, things are getting delivered. Um, 
there's 224,000 drivers that have been put out due to the clearinghouse and using drugs and that, and we don't need people operating a, a commercial motor vehicle that are, you know, doing drugs. There's a there's a whole issue on the marijuana. I have my my thoughts and opinions, as I'm sure you do too. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it comes down to insurance and insurability and. FMCSA says no, you can't do it with a CDL. And people that choose to do it, well, they're they're out of the industry. Um, you know, and why a driver would would walk away from a sixty, eighty thousand dollar a year income to smoke a joint one time, I I can't fathom that. But they do it. Um, you know, and uh, they live in Colorado or Oklahoma or a state where it's legal and they said, well, I can do it. I'm, I live in that city. No, you have a CDL, you can't. And they just don't understand that if somebody could, you know, develop a test that would tell the league the level of impairment at the time of the test, uh, you'd probably be a billionaire and be able to retire. Right, I, right. I don't know how they're going to do that. Um, but I, I think we've manufactured some of this as the industry has went on. Um, it's a tough job. No two ways about it. Doesn't matter which which facet you end up on. But once it you know gets in your blood, you can't leave it, and and you enjoy what you're doing, delivering America's goods. I mean, that's what we do. Um, and and I always took pride in in what I did. Um, one of the biggest problems I I feel like we've got, and how we've mm -hmm. created this turnover is with pay and cents per mile. When you ask a driver, well. How many miles a week do you need to break even? They don't know. They can't tell you. So I used to have my recruiting managers and operations people work with the driver to whiteboard this out and say, you know, $4,000 is what you need to pay your bills a month. Well, you divide that by 4.3, divide that by the cents per mile we're paying you. That will give you your break even mileage. And usually that's going to come in somewhere between 14 and 1800 miles a week. And you say, okay, well, Andrew, you know, you're coming to work for me. You're driving the truck for me at 60 cents a mile or whatever I'm paying you. Um, can you live on this? Well, yeah, I can pay my bills and I can live. Okay, but are you getting ahead? Well, not really. Okay. So, Andrew, I'm only asking you to commit to two times a month. That's every other week. <clears throat> if, let's say, you're breaking in 1,600 miles, I need you to do 2,600 miles those two weeks out of the month. Well, that's going to put another, you know, $1,200 in your, in your pocket or many times 12 months, $14,000 at the end of the year. Now you're not living paycheck to paycheck. Now when things go, <clears throat> when drivers get upset, that's why they quit. It's not necessarily um, anything's bad or it's, it's just terrible or whatever. They quit because they get frustrated and upset. They get frustrated and upset because they didn't make a delivery on time due to weather, whatever, what have you. They don't have a cushion in the bank. Mama's at home complaining about the bills and the things aren't getting paid. So you have to you have to teach that person how to manage their money and manage themselves and their expectations and hold operations accountable to make sure that Andrew's coming to work for me today and he's going to make at least 1,600 miles a week to pay his bills and keep Mama happy at home. I'm sorry, these dogs are... Oh, you're fine. I couldn't even hear him. 
But I think I think what you touched on there was uh, not only when you were talking about dispatchers and recruiters, and now you're talking about the driver side of it. It's the education piece that we're missing a lot of times. We're not taking the time to educate our internal staff, to educate our new hires coming on uh, of how exactly that's going to work. And when you do that, uh, especially on the driver's side, it's, it's all of a sudden I think the drivers see, wow, these guys are different because I've been in the industry this long and nobody's ever sat down with me and had this kind of discussion or shown me what I need to do to hit my own goals. Correct. And by doing that, you're also creating someone who's buying into your brand. You know, like you just said, Andrew, they, hey, this guy takes, this, this company cares enough about me to make sure I'm paying my bills. Well, once they're paying their bills and that's working out well for them, guess what? They become a safer driver. They're not, you know, that's when accidents happen. When you're, you're focused on something else, and still doing a task that you've done many, many, many times over becomes muscle memory, that's where things happen. Well, if you take away that problem or that challenge, if you will, at home of paying the bills and all that's done, well, now he's focused on, or she focused on the tax at hand of driving the truck, delivering the freight, getting the PODs, you know, all those things that go along with the job and they're they're happier they're they're more well-rounded doing what they love i mean driving a truck you gotta love it It, it's it's not for somebody who just does it because they want to make the money you've got to love what you're doing and be passionate about it to be a, a successful driver what i uh i gotta brag a little bit but what i love about our recruiter and the process she goes through and she just sits uh, across the hallway from me so i hear her all day long on the phone with with drivers asking questions, but she is taking the time. And I know the first question out of almost every driver's mouth is what does it pay? What's your cents per mile? And and she's really good at saying, you know what, before I answer that, let me ask you some other questions. And she's starting that whole education process with the driver to get with them, to think about things differently. And, And I think that's why she's so successful because again, she's doing it different. She's doing it, you know, in a unique way that, Maybe those drivers haven't come across with the other carrier there's talking to. Nobody's taken that time. So I, I got to ask the question then, you know, what role do the drivers play in the whole retention issue in the industry? Is there, are the drivers looking for the wrong things? Are they asking the wrong questions? And, and are they setting themselves up for, for turnover? You know, I have never thought about it in that context, Andrew, but you're you're probably right in a lot of that, that the drivers aren't asking the right questions. You know, it's it's what kind of trucks have you got? How much home time am I gonna get? What's in it for but what can I contribute? I'm I'm finding that the younger generation wants to be more of a contributor to the overall success of the business. It's not necessarily just driving the truck and delivering freight anymore, even though that's that's what it's about. Um, but they want to they want to be a part of something bigger, and and that's a really good thing. And and maybe they're not asking some of the right questions as to how your culture fits into that. Um, I know you guys have, have done some changing as far as your culture has gone over there, Chief, and you've seen some very good successes with that. So I'm sure that's probably where that question is derived from. And um, 
yeah, I thank you for bringing that up. That's that's an angle I hadn't thought of before. Well, and you're right. It's just uh, you know when the when the driver starts off with what kind of trucks do you have? Is it a manual or an automatic? You know how fast does it go? Of course, they want to know that too in the cents per mile. I, we've always tried to kind of coach the drivers when we get uh, potential hire on the phone is that, listen, most trucking companies pay about the same across the board, really. I mean, there's nobody that's really a lot higher in that that unicorn out there. So what are the differences between company to company? And that's what we try to focus on with them, too, is educate them a little bit about here's some of the other questions you might want to start asking. Uh, some of the recruiters because when it comes to down to the benefits and the home time and those other soft things that um, you know when we talk about culture those can be the difference makers whether somebody stays or doesn't stay yeah and being a part of a team that they get along with I I discovered this years ago with the driver that I'd hired um, he came through my orientation and and my recruiter that brought him in did a really fine job he's great guy great on paper but he comes in he's he's tatted up and i think ftw was tattooed on his knuckles and um so i asked him i said are you a, fr- a fan of frank t wells the rodeo rider he said no that ftw stands for something else i said okay i get it <laughs> so they put him with a driver manager that <clears throat> that didn't have that same like-mindedness so a couple weeks later of course i'm on a evening i'm leaving work i'm seeing him come into the office he's turning his keys in he's mad things aren't working out so i put him with another driver who this guy rode harley's so did the driver or so the driver manager and and they clicked and, and went along better um he stayed at that company for a lot longer than he would have i mean he was going to quit because the driver manager that they paired him up with he just did not get along with they they didn't see the world the same so taking that time to Another thing that I used to do is I would take and build a profile sheet on everybody coming through orientation. That was one of the jobs orientation manager had to do. And they had to give it to, you know, operations manager. And they would look at the people who had open board slots and pair the drivers coming out of orientation with the driver manager's personality. And we found productivity went up about 40% across the board by just doing that one little step. That's, in- that's incredible. And, you're absolutely right. I've, I've seen that over the years, too, where uh, the new hires come in. We just push them through the orientation process, and it's uh, the dispatcher, whoever you assign them to, grabs them, and they just plug them into their board. And we're not taking enough time to get to know them, get to understand what that driver's looking for, and how am I going to make them successful here is the question that driver manager really needs to be asking themselves rather than just status quo, treat them like everybody else. And one of the things we used to do was the last day of orientation, the driver manager that was going to get the driver, we would bring them in to the cafeteria and they would, they would have lunch together. And, you know, three or four people coming out of orientation going to be on this one's board and two or three on that one's board. And so I set that up several years ago and that little thing made such a difference on the driver could ask the driver manager questions about their families and, and kind of get to know each other on a personal level that went a long way towards changing retention numbers. Um, The 100, 120, 140% that we've started to accept as a norm, I've never accepted as a norm. I, I believe those numbers should be cut in half with every carrier. 
And it's a lot of these little things. It's it's not the big things. It's what you said a, a little bit ago, Andrew. The trucks, the trailers, the loads, the shippers, the receivers, accounts, it, it's all the same. Yep. When it's boiled down at the end of the day, there's not that much difference between every carrier. It's how you treat that driver and how that driver treats and interacts with. And we spend so much time in orientation going over safety and watching videos and training that they've seen a million times. Those videos haven't changed since the JJ Keller days when it was on <laughs> yes. microfish. Yes. You know, get rid of that and spend time teaching them. The drivers of today are not like the drivers we recruited four years ago. The technology has changed so much just in order to communicate with the office. I mean, it's not even the Qualcomm's of 15, 20 years ago. You've got everything done. You drive by a scale. It knows how long you've been up, how fast you're running, what your oil temperature, fuel pressure, tire pressure. They, they know all of this. So the days of the cowboy and the, you know, out of control, it, those are gone. Truck drivers have to be smart. Operations people have to be smart. So therefore we need to recruit for that. Um, one of the things I tell recruiters is, hey, if you were looking for a job, if someone was to do a Zoom call with you, wouldn't that be a better way to interview somebody? Than... So you send them an email and say, hey, Andrew, tomorrow at two o'clock, I'd like to schedule a 30 minute Zoom call with you. That's gonna let the driver know, hey, this company, you know, got their stuff on the ball instead of just a text message or, and, and I, I know I get all the statistics from the ad agencies and they tell you this and that and whatever, but we're, we're talking about ways to be different. So that's one way that people could be different. Yeah. And I love it. I, I, and I try to put myself in the driver's shoes from, uh, time to time and, and you think about, okay, so we've got the guy scheduled for orientation date. You know, what's he thinking for that? for that two weeks leading up to his orientation date. And I, I just always feel like we're a unique company. We do things a little bit different, but the drivers come in just waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? They're thinking, this can't be true. Uh, you know, did the recruiter sell me a bill of goods and stuff? So, uh, yeah, things like that. When you can introduce them to your company and the people that work there before they get there, whether it be a Zoom call or however you can do that, Think about what that does to make that driver feel at ease, like they're already part of the team and like, man, I feel so much better about the decision I made to come to work for your company. And YouTube, TikTok, there are so many, you know, channels and these drivers, people say, oh, they're not on. Oh, yes, they are. Yes, they are. <laughs> they're on Instagram. They're on TikTok. They're on YouTube. So put some videos out there on your company, you know, um, I had a driver that was really good with drones. So he did a video for me at Robert Heath Trucking before we went out of business. And he flew the drone through the dispatch office, flew it around the terminal. Um, now he told me that the drone was on follow him as he's going down the road and he was videoing his truck going down the road. I don't know whether that was true or not, or he was driving the truck and flying the drone at the same time. but. It was a heck of a video and we put that out. Drivers loved it. They, they, you know, that was giving them, like you said, a glimpse into the company before they ever showed up in orientation. Yeah. They're naturally curious. And I think anything you can do uh, to help them see that and, and what your, what your company's like and what their future is going to look like with your company is uh, a fantastic idea. So, Hey, I think, I think we uh, hit on some great things talking about the challenges of driver retention, um, I want to know about Mike and what Mike's up to right now. Uh, I know you got a new startup. 
uh, that you guys are just kicking off. So tell me a little bit about that. Thank you, Andrew. Yeah. Um, after leaving 10th Street there at uh, the end of last year, uh, Dave Renfrew and myself, we were both uh, VPs of large recruiting companies over the years and, and a really good friend of ours, a former VP at Arter Express, Sadie Church, had started Recruit, Hire, and Retain. So we talked about partnering with her and coming out with helping and building this business going forward. And I called a really good friend of ours, Ellen Boya, one night to get her take on it. And she says, I'll tell you what I think about it. I love it so much, I want to get in. I want to be part of it. And we went, oh, okay. So that's how the four of us came together and formed this partnership, and we're, we're growing it. Um, we the, the roads and the paths we thought we were going to go down and be very easy have not panned out like we thought, but some of the other things we're pivoting into are um, guest speaking at uh, conferences for people. Uh, I, I had a really good CEO with a large company reach out and say, hey, you know, we would rather have you and Ellen go work the booth with your names and the backgrounds and what you've got and take those warm sales leads and hand them off to our salespeople to close the deal. And it keeps my salespeople at home closing deals while you guys are still working that booth for us. And we said, well, we've never thought about doing that, but okay, let's talk about it. So that mm -hmm. business has spun off. And of course, Ellen, with everything she's done, she's doing um, public speaking and we're, we're doing panels together that we hadn't thought about we're we're going to also do some recruiter workshops in like um dallas atlanta chicago um areas where recruiters can't make it to we're, we're also looking at a subscription-based monthly we're you know we're building a recruiter um, platform if you will and they can get online they can either watch the training take the training or you know have a one-on-one -on -one with any one of the four of us and uh, it's really kind of interesting how some of this stuff has taken off that we hadn't thought was going to be a thing, and it's now very much a thing. So recruiting, training, helping those recruiters that want to move up to a director of recruiting, helping those directors that want to move up to a, a VP of recruiting, understanding what the true cost of their turnover is, understanding what their cost per hire is and where those numbers come from. And, and how to, you know, go into your C-suite and have a plan. You know, everybody could come into my office for years and complain about it. I want to do this. And I want, okay, well, what's your plan to fix it? Well, they didn't have that plan. So we're, we're building this out in, in all facets, touching everything that has to do with recruiting and retention to, to help that person take the next steps in their career. Well, and I know we've got, uh, obviously, we've got a lot of drivers that listen to the podcast, but I know we have some dispatchers, recruiters, uh, some some C-suite people as well. So how would they get a hold of you if they want to reach out to see what uh, you have, have to offer? They can go to our, our website, which is recruit-hire-retain.com. That's the website. Or any one of us, our email is very simple. It's Mike at recruit hyphen hire hyphen retain, Dave, Ellen, Sadie, all of us are the same. Um, but yeah, that's uh, we're, we're going to push some things out through LinkedIn. We're, we're doing a lot of word of mouth. We thought about doing an ad blitz, but um, things are coming by just using our networks and, and that kind of thing. So yeah, thank you for that. That's, that's recruit, hire, and retain. That's the easiest way to get a hold of us. 
I think what you guys are doing is fantastic, and I'm I'm so glad you're doing it because I know there's a need out there. There's a lot of carriers that still are struggling, and they just can't understand why they can't get and keep drivers. So congratulations on your new venture. Well, thank you. If you're looking for a carrier that's figured out how to remove their revolving door, check us out at chiefcarriers.com. Mm-hmm.